Hi folks, this is Rick Doc Walker, the DOC. This is John Kime, and you're listening to The Mess Hall with Rally Captain and Tailgate Ted. What's going on, everybody? It's your boy, Tailgate Ted, and welcome to the DMV Mess Hall. I'm joined, as always, by my man, Rally Captain. What's going on, Ted? I always tell you that that anthem gets me pumped up. You left, right, you left, and I'm here to tell you that I thought we were going to see a sea of burgundy and gold, but instead I saw a sea of green and it was just too deep for us to handle. Let's get it. It really was, man. It really was. And we got a lot to talk about in the show, but we also have a special guest that's going to be joining us midway through Lou Holder from Holder Hangout, Emmy award winning journalist. So we're going to actually have him on today to help us break this down. But before we get to Lou, Riley, I wanted to get your thoughts, man. You're walking around the parking lot. It was great to see you again, as always, yesterday. One of these days, we're actually going to have a beer together out in the lot. I know you're always busy running around, and I'm always busy cooking. But what were your thoughts from just what it felt like walking around behind enemy line, even though it's our home stadium? Well, I got I to gotta tell you, so turning into the red lot, red zone lot, I see just green. And I mean, normally when you pull into the red zone lot, you know, you pull in and you you go a little ways and then you you start to see Burgundy, you know, and you're like, okay, yeah, I know that dude. Oh, yeah, I know her. Well, this time when I pulled in immediately, I saw green and was like, oh, boy, here we go. Here we go. Now, here's the thing. I knew the red zone, though. I mean, that's like a a special tailgate home lot in the red zone. Hey brother, they didn't care. <laughs> they didn't care. So, so I was like, all right, here we go. I kind of expected it. I mean, because let's face it all week, we heard that they were coming. I mean, it's something that they do. So, and with their team being two and oh, can you blame them? No. So nevertheless, um, I will say though, that they were friendly. It was just, I was just overwhelmed by Eagles fans, man. And, and, you know, for the life of me, I just don't understand why we can't reciprocate and do the same for them. Um, and, and, and I know that, that, yeah, that Philadelphia gets a bad name, but I'm telling you guys, we don't have any problems. We just don't, unless, unless you're the type of individual who can't accept someone saying, you know, your mom wears combat boots. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I hear you. I remember Mrs. Tailgate and I first started dating and I brought her to Philly and it just so happened there was an exhibit she wanted to go see at some Philadelphia museum. So we went up there and went to the museum and then she went on a train home on Sunday. Saturday night, we're hanging out with Doc Walker. We're at the team hotel. We're drinking some bourbon relaxing there with the team, Sonny Jurgensen's telling stories. And then Sunday, she went back to DC and didn't realize that the game was so bad. She calls her dad up afterwards to tell him about how she got to hang out with some of these legends. And he asked where I was and she said, oh, he's going to the game. It's like, you let him go to the game by himself? Like, it's not that bad. Honest to God, it's just, it's a misnomer. And they live on this reputation and they try and instill fear. Mm-hmm. It really isn't bad. Everyone listening to this, sbevents.net, 
jump on that bus with rally because there's safety in numbers, number one. But number two, just don't be stupid and you'll be fine. If Vinny Boombats is yelling at you and screaming at you, just ignore him. Pretend you don't speak Italian and you're good. And what everybody always says is, well, they broke the cheese leg and look what they did to Santa Claus. I mean, those were isolated incidents, you know? That's just how it is. But I have never had anything happen to me or my group since 2014. And I'm not just saying that to try to get you to come on the bus. I would love for you to join us, but that's not what I'm trying to get across here. What I'm trying to get across is we don't have any issues. And I heard about people saying that they got into fights at the stadium. I didn't see it. Didn't see it at all. Did it I mean saw that a it? Okay. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't see anything. Um, maybe because I stand clear of that type of stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. But you're but also anyway. in the nice section. I mean, let's let's be real. You're in the end zone, front row, right down there. I mean, there's there was some stuff in the concourse that I saw going on, and there was some stuff in my section that I specifically called security to have them come over and people were throwing stuff, but you know who I saw starting it was commanders fans. It okay. was Redskins fans starting it. All right. So I agree with you on that. And the reason why I'm going to agree with you on that is because the Philly fans talk enough ish to where it will get underneath your skin. If you don't have thick skin. And what I heard them say was, Fly, Eagles, fly, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, 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 the whole nine yards, and your team sucks, and look at what we're doing to you. And this is this is uh, Lincoln, Lincoln Financial South. I mean, all of the things that I have said in opposing stadiums. Oh, yeah. So, so the thing is, people couldn't handle the fact that they, one, were deep as they were at FedEx Field, which is nobody's fault but our own. And I'm going to tell you, okay, I'm, I'm going to say one more thing, and then we can leave this alone. You get mad at people, Philly fans, invading the stadium. Got it. But if you're a season ticket holder and you sold your seat to a Philly fan, then don't be upset oh, because, because no. you saw a sea of green. And that's what I saw around me. Now, I understand that, hey, look, Everybody's going through whatever they're going through financially, and you want to get more bang for your buck. I get it, but just don't complain at the same time. Don't do it. And even though I sit where I sit, I was surrounded by Eagles fans, so it didn't matter. Oh, I hear you. And, I mean, it's they've got this thing called Washington Gold. So for those of you that haven't been to a stadium that aren't season ticket holders, all that means is you're a season ticket holder, so you get perks. We don't get a ton of them. One of them is a fast entry line. The other one is a faster concession line and you get 50% off food and drink, but you have to be a season ticket holder to get that. You had Eagles fans filling up those Washington gold lines. And I yelled and screamed for several years to make sure that they had someone checking people when you get in that line because they weren't in the past. So the only perk that we got wasn't really a perk. Well, all the Eagles fans in front of me had those Washington gold passes on their phones. Mm -hmm. So whoever sold them, they did not come from single game tickets they bought from the team. They came from season ticket holders that sold those tickets to those Philly fans, giving them that extra bonus, extra discount that we get as season ticket holders. And what frustrates me is, okay, you're going to sell your ticket. I can't stop you. Like you said, you know, I ain't about to get in someone's pocket. I've got a guy on Twitter that's 
got an infatuation with how I make my living. I don't know what the hell this guy's problem is, but Hey, if you got hard times and you got to sell some tickets to pay for the rest of your season, you know what? It sucks, but I get it. Mm -hmm. But to give them that extra perk to inconvenience the rest of us season ticket holders, they're not paying any money for that. That's just frustrating to me. You don't have to transfer them. When you transfer them in your account, your tickets are one thing, your parking pass is another, and your gold is another. Don't give them the gold stuff. All you're doing is just hurting all the other season ticket holders. But it was very frustrating, and Sam Fortier did a good job. And I actually talked to a PG County police officer at 7.30 that morning. The Eagles trips and the buses that we heard about that we talked about in our last show, 40 buses rented out the entire PG sports and learning complex and had their own private tailgate party which wow. is right beside FedEx field. Yeah. That didn't count all the buses in the RV lot. Yeah. The, the diesel bus that's not tailgating this year. One of the guys hit me up, slid into my DMS and asked if I knew anyone with a RV pass said, no, I don't. And the team was out. Well, I drive past an RV lot to get out. I counted at least 20 buses in there. And granted the license plates were Illinois, but you're seeing everyone jumping on those buses and it's just a sea of green. So mm -hmm. they flooded us and Sam Fortier had an article in the post. And I actually messaged uh, Pete Haley with NBC sports, Washington and said, Pete, this is a great story. There's 40 buses over there right now. If you want to start talking to those people and a couple other reporters and Sam interviewed one and said, they paid $350 for a round trip bus ticket, lower bowl seats an open bar, food, and custom t-shirts, 350. That's a steal to come down here, invade mm -hmm. our stadium, get basically a guaranteed away homecoming game and go back fat and happy. I yeah. mean, I can't blame them for that at all. Yeah. I mean, walking around the lots, did it feel, at least when you're walking by different tailgates, did it feel like the parking lot was burgundy or gold-ish or no, not as much? Ish. <laughs> Ish. That's all I can say, brother. Yeah. I mean, I like I said, I, I normally get invited to about 10 to 15 tailgates to make an appearance, you know, to say hi, to kiss babies, take pictures, the whole nine yards, which I love to do. And I walk, I walk the entire parking lot. So if by chance you have a tailgate that, that you want me to stop by, I will stop, make sure that I stop by your tailgate. Just make I'm gonna sure have to you give you a cooler so you can start collecting beers for me by the time you see me. <laughs> well, that's the thing, man. I really don't drink though, man, because I gotta keep my appearance up. You know, the last thing that's I, I needed beers for me. Beers for you. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. So uh, but I will I will make it my my business to stop by and say hello to you guys so we can get a picture and 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 shoot the ish. So um, but um yeah, the, what I got a lot from the Eagles fans is uh they let you walk around with that on. You better not wear that up in Philly. And I'm like, I wear it to Philly. So just be quiet. You know, yeah. there's always that guy who's trying to, to see how far he can push it. Oh, yeah. But, so, but then, you know what I do, Ted? What I do is I say, hold on, guy. I say, hold on, Benny. I open up my flag and say, find your stadium. And they find it. And once they see that I've been to the link, they say, salute my hats off to you that quells that quells it all once that flag opens up and they see all the stadiums on there that shuts everybody up 
No, I hear you, man. You're you're more PC than me. I just tell them Rocky's not real and just keep walking. I just, I mean, <laughs> I don't got time for it. And I get out yeah. to the lots at about seven o'clock. I'm up there setting up and I should have known it was going to be a bad day. I actually got stung by a yellow jacket at Ooh. eight o'clock in the morning. It oh, flew boy. up my pant leg, stung the crap out of me. And I've never what? been stung before. Oh, yeah. So I've never been stung in my life before. And I'm not sure what's going to happen at that point. I actually had a PG officer come over and give me some antiseptic and some Benadryl and some other stuff to make sure I was good. Because apparently if you get a first responder to come through like an ambulance, they won't give you any medicine unless they take you away. Like, We got a game today. I ain't going anywhere. No. So there's a story for another day I'll get into about how I had a concussion and couldn't tailgate that day, but everyone else had to cook for me. But yeah, it was... Definitely crazy, but in my lot, in the orange G lot, it was a sea of green. Mm -hmm. Luckily, they stayed away, but man, there was just so many of them, and I couldn't believe it. There was just countless and countless stores of people. Now, everyone was good, and no one's coming around us because we had maybe 300 people at the tailgate at any given oh, time. And it nice. Was, you know, it was definitely a busy day, but everyone's always respectful. There was actually a cowboy fan that came over with some Eagles fans that I called out and kind of embarrassed them on the mic a little bit, but gave them a dap afterwards. And we all had a good time, but getting in the stands, I mean, I just go straight to my seats and I didn't have a ton of people around me. I'm in one Oh three, maybe 15 yard line on the home side. Mm -hmm. What did you have where you were? Well, I'm one thirty-two, And as I said, I made a video and I sent it to JP and just, it was just a sea of green, man. I mean, like to the left, to the right, behind me, uh, you name it. It was it was green. And I think one of the things that I did, so it, it, when I first got to my seat, I guess there was an Eagles fan and a Commanders fan. And the Eagles fan, you know, I don't know. I, it wasn't anything malice, malicious-wise. But, you know, people, for whatever reason, want to touch you. I don't understand it, but they want to they want to touch you some shape, form or fashion. And so the commander fan was like, hey, man, get your hands off of me. You know, don't 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 touch me. You, you can you can say whatever you want to say, but just don't touch me. So that started to kind of emotion started to rile up. And I said, whoa, wait a minute. This is my section and ain't nothing happening in my section. So shake hands, call it a day. And the guy was like, cap, respect, respect. I appreciate it. And so they shook hands and the guy said, I, the Eagles fan said, hey, man, I, my apology. And so that was it after that. So just the whole wanting to touch the guy, that's what I saw. That's yeah. what the most happened in my area. So that was, that's frustrating to hear. And I know everyone's been outside drinking. Everyone's been having a good time and it's, it's friendly, but to me, it's, that's where it stops is where you throw things at somebody yeah. where you try and lay hands on somebody because people get those beer muscles or those, you know, liquor muscles in them. And then they start flexing and then just nothing good's going to happen. We're all there just to watch a game, let them yeah. fight it out on the field. I always like to say, hate the team, pray for the fan. And mm -hmm. I'll pray for all those Eagles fans when they leave our stadium. I was hoping that they were going to leave crying, but you know, we all know it didn't work out that way. I was actually surprised well, surprise isn't the right way to put it. The team introduced the defense first and not the offense. I'm not sure if you realize that or noticed that. And they no. did it on purpose because they didn't want to hear all those Eagles fans boo when they announced Carson's name coming out the tunnel. Mm, okay. So, no, I, I, I didn't notice. 
hats off to the commanders for thinking about that. They're not going to get a bunch of hat tips during this pod, but hats <laughs> off to them for thinking about that because, you know, we talked about it last week where they didn't want to do a tribute message or a tribute video for Ryan Kerrigan on that last Eagles game last year because they didn't want to hype up the Eagles fans. Mm-hmm. Well, true to point, they didn't want to introduce Carson because they didn't want to hype up those fans. So, you know, kudos to them for not doing that. But during the post game, Terry McLaurin actually said the noise forced the commanders to change the snap count in our yeah. own stadium. Saw that. I saw them go to the silent count. It's crazy, man. And it's there was a lot of problems in that game. And we'll get more into that when it gets to, you know, Lou joining us. But kudos to them, man. I, I thought it was a 50-50. I'm hearing all day people are saying 60-40, somewhere around there. But really, Commanders fans had nothing to cheer about. No. We got the most cheers, and I put a little video about it at halftime. Like, they had a Karate Kid demonstration at halftime. And maybe 30, 40 kids coming on that field, and they're like little karate outfits just – doing kicks and knocking boards out of the air and chopping stuff down. I mean, it was actually pretty entertaining and it was more exciting than the first half. And for me, it was more exciting than the game, man. I kind of wish that they just could have did that. And at one point I was thinking, can we just leave the red zone highlights on, put the game on, but just leave the red zone on the jumbotron. So we at least got something fun to watch because it was painful, man. Yeah, it, it, it was. And Unfortunately, it's going to be that way until the commanders get better. That's just See, how it is, is, man. This is something I've been yelling about that in the past, if you wanted to buy a division game ticket, you had to buy three tickets total. So let's just say you wanted to go to the Eagles game, fine. You got to buy the Rams game and you got to buy the Chargers game, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So it makes that entry a little more expensive for those fans to come on our stadium. Now the commanders are selling single-game tickets, and I get it is a business. Mm -hmm. But when you sell single-game tickets to a division game, to a rival that is 100 miles away, you are inviting the fox into the hen house. And that's exactly what they did by allowing people to buy single-game tickets. And, you know, I sent a video out saying, all of these Eagles fans want to thank the commanders for allowing single game tickets to be sold for this game. And we can't keep them out because money's money, but you can make it at least a little difficult for them to come down here or they buy all those other games and then sell those other games. Maybe they have to buy the Browns game and buy the Titans game. Then they'll just resell the Titans and the Browns, but it still makes it tougher. Don't make it easier for them to come down here and flood our parking lots and flood our stands. Yeah, I remember uh, years back when we went to the playoffs, not this last time, but I want to say it was probably 2012, uh, where Bruce was saying that if you weren't buying tickets out of this certain zip code, they wouldn't, you wouldn't be able allowed yeah. to buy the tickets. So I do remember that. No, that, that's happened in the past in the Washington Capitals. I'm a capital season ticket holder. They do the same thing. And they stop it where unless you're in certain zip codes in our area, you mm-hmm. can't get playoff tickets because Penguins fans would flood down here. Flyers fans would come down here yeah, and they would get tickets. So the orders would actually get canceled. I'm not saying do that. And you can't stop someone from posting on StubHub. 
Right. But Terry actually said here in a quote, we're paid to play football. We try to control what's going on the field, on, on the field. We don't necessarily have control over what's going on in the stands, but you definitely could see a lot of green out there. And yeah, Terry, you're right. You don't have control, but your team does to a degree. They can control some of the people coming down here. And I'm, I'm upset with what they did. And I've got a meeting with the team and I'm going to see some of the brass this week and I'm just going to relay it to them. And who knows if they even give a damn, but I'm going to at least give them feedback as to how upsetting that is. Cause you know, okay. The giants, New York's not too far away. You know, the Cowboys at the end of the season, we're retiring Sonny Jurgensen's Jersey. They're going to buy single game tickets. They're going to come out here and do that. If you can at least, you know, stop some of the bloodletting, maybe fix it a little bit, but it's all about that dollar and I get it. And they want to see what they can do. But earlier before the show, Rally and I asked if you could send us some messages, send us some text. We got a couple in here, man. So let me play them. So we asked fans to kind of chime in on what they thought of the game. Hey guys, this is Julian from Silver Spring. So my analysis of what's going wrong, not just yesterday, but in Detroit also, is that the commanders are not playing four quarters of football. They're only playing maybe one at, at the most, two. And you got to play only four quarters of football. you got to come out hungry. you got to stay on the other. you got to put your foot on the gas. you gotta got to keep your foot on the gas. For one, our offensive line absolutely stinks. I mean, it's more broken. They've got more holes than Swiss cheese. It's more broken than the levees were in New Orleans and Hurricane Katrina. Like, they, like, and speaking of hurricanes, they let a flood, a storm surge of eagles through that line, and Carson had no chance yesterday. You gotta, you gotta protect that man. I mean, it's, it's truly sad when, as many people call for the firing of Jack Del Rio, the defense was actually our bright spot yesterday. So, to recap, we got to play four quarters of football. We need to protect Carson and play defense. That is all. Well, I appreciate you leaving that voicemail, Julian. And we got to get you some Red Bull next time you call in, man. I got to get a little, little more energy. Uh, I don't blame <laughs> you for being upset. It is a misery Monday. For those wondering, it's Monday the 26th at 325. And if you want to call in and leave a voicemail or a text for the show, the number is 202. 677-5860. But what do you think about Julian's thoughts there? Well, well, Ted and Julian, I've been saying it from the jump. You know, we, we played three quarters with Jacksonville. We played two quarters against Detroit. And I said, if by chance the commanders can play four quarters of football, we could win that game. Well, we played it probably a half of a quarter. Truthfully, a quarter is what? 14 minutes? 15. We played 15 minutes. Okay, we played 7.5. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what we played, basically. And as Julian said, the defense for once was a little bit of the bright spot. I mean, and if we could have countered with some offense, it would have been a totally different game. I'm not going to get into right now what I feel can change it, but we all know what, what can change it, you know? So that offensive line... The nepotism's got to go. It just does. 
I don't care if you play for me back in this this town or that town. We need some 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 dogs, some some fresh new dogs. And and one thing that I can't stand is the Cowboys, but Jerry Jones does it right, man. I don't know where he gets these guys from this line, but he always seems to find these studs for the for the offensive line. Why can't we do that? I mean, I understand that that you know Ruye's hurt. I, I got it, but um, some of the other guys are just getting walked back, man, and slammed. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah, it was it was ugly. I mean, there's there's no way around it. And my Woodbridge collectible signature player of the week was the offensive line. If we were going to win that game, the O-line had to do well, and they didn't. Seven of the nine Eagle sacks were when they only rushed four players. Seven of the nine. Four. So that means you've got five guys blocking and maybe a tight end or a running back chipping, and you've got four guys rushing. Now, I'm not putting all this on the offensive line. At least four of those sacks, maybe five of them, were on Carson because he couldn't oh, yeah. feel the pressure and he scrambled into it and he just looked shell-shocked. We talked about quicksand last week, that scene from the replacements. And that's what it felt like in that first half where next thing I want to say it was maybe three sacks in a row we had, it was just, it was absolutely ridiculous. But before we jump into it again, here's another voicemail. Now this guy didn't leave his name, so we'll just play it. And hopefully he'll chime in and let us know who it actually was on Twitter. Ted, first and foremost, great tailgate. The food was excellent. <clears throat> I'm from South Jersey. I'm a season ticket holder. Texting 134, row one. Took my brother. He's an Eagles fan. I live in South Jersey. And I, I was just so embarrassed yesterday. Not just because we lost, but this team is not prepared. Okay? Just imagine any other workplace where you just go into a job as a leader and not prepare your people. And that's what it feels like. It's just they're not prepared, and I think I think we need a new voice. I think we need some young, energetic coach. Um, I think he's losing the locker room. But I love listening to the podcast. Like you said, from South Jersey, um, it's Eagles territory, so I've been all day long. My phone's been blowing up. But uh, command us for life. Talk to you guys soon. Now, we really appreciate whoever that was that left that voicemail. And like I said, shoot us a tweet. Let Rally and I know. You know, we appreciate you listening up there in South Jersey and stay Definitely. safe up there in enemy territory. And for Christmas, Definitely. get your brother a box of coal. He got a W. He can get a box <laughs> of coal for Christmas. Yeah, he, he gets that. He, he earned that coal. <laughs> and I actually, I called into B. Mitch and Finley today on 106.7 The Fan, a station down here in the D.C. area. And I wanted to ask B. Mitch, you know, what are his thoughts? Because the commanders have been outscored 14 to 49 in the first half. And those 14 points were only the Jaguars game. The other games, we were down 22 nothing to the Lions. And we were down 20, what, 24 nothing to the Eagles. Mm -hmm. So at that point, we were wondering, okay, does moving Scott Turner up to the booth, is that going to help out? And B said, no, he doesn't think it's going to matter. What's going to help out is those guys actually coming out with some heart, those guys coming out with some passion at the start of the game, because he didn't see any in the Lions game, and I didn't either, and he didn't see any during the Eagles game. And just like he said, new leadership, well, that's not going to happen right now. But something to have these guys actually show up 
in the first quarter prepared because they haven't shown me or I believe anybody else out there that they are prepared when they step out on that field. Well, let me say this, Ted. I'm going to say that I do feel that they are prepared. I, 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 I cannot in my wildest dream feel that they're not prepared. They're getting beat. There's a difference. There's a difference between not being prepared because not being prepared means that you mess up on snap counts. You mess up on blocking assignments. You mess up on other things. They're just getting beat, bro. And I say that it's because when you go against your partner in training camp, it gives you a false sense of security. He's not going to go at you 100%. I'm a firm believer. Get some joint practices in to truly show what your linemen are made of. Because I've always said it. I'm not going to hit you at 100%, Ted. I'm just not. If we, if we had to fight and we, and we can make some money, I'm going to say, Ted, look here, man. I'm gonna hit you about fifty percent, all right? And you, and you make it, and you make it look good. You make it look good. Come on, man. Let let's let's be let's be real with this, okay? So I'm not gonna say that they don't that they don't come out prepared. They're prepared. They're just getting beat. There's so a but, difference. But to me, that's not to me when I say prepared. You're not prepared if you are, and this is the coaches I'm talking about. You're not preparing your team as best as you can because you didn't do joint practices in training camp and preseason okay. because okay. you didn't make them go all out. And there's a clip that I wanted to play about, actually, I don't have that one this second, but basically on scripted plays, actually, here we go. So talking about scripted plays and preparing the first 15 plays are usually scripted, but what's been going on with all those scripted plays? How hard is it along those lines? Cause coaches, you, they script the plays going into a game. Mm -hmm. And it may not unfold that way. So is it, do you have to, I'm not, in general, be quicker to adjust? Is that part of it? Or what do you, Well, does that because, make it difficult? Well, sometimes when I mean, you don't get an opportunity to go through that script, you know, that, that's a difficult thing because as you go through the script, that's when you find out what, you know, what to anticipate. I mean, again, we were very fortunate in, 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 in Jacksonville. You know, we were able to keep that going, sustained it on the first drive. And you got an opportunity to see that. You know, we didn't, you know, we didn't have that success in Detroit. We started early and started, things started to happen, you know, in this first one. But then we, you know, we, we give the pressures on the quarterback. And the part that I've got a problem with is you're talking about that script. Well, what was it? Let's see here. Through three quarters, Tressway touched the ball eight times. That's as many times as Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, and Jahan Dotson touched the ball through three quarters. There's eight, a problem eight, with that. Eight times. Eight times. And that's per J.P. Finley. So Tress punted the ball eight times. Terry, Curtis, and Jahan touched it a total of eight times combined. I mean, there's, a, there's an issue there. Scott Turner and his play calling has – it's left me a little upset. And we all saw what we did with Jags game and we surprised the Jaguars. We surprised a lot of people because no one had tape on Curtis Samuel because he's been hurt. No one knew what we were going to do. Well, now guess what? When you've got tape, teams are adjusting. So it always reminded me of when Kirk Cousins would come in and he wasn't starting, he would do well. 
but when Kirk, and this wasn't when he was officially a starter, but when he was a backup, when Kirk would come in as an actual starter, he wouldn't do as well because you had defenses that prepared for him. Mm-hmm. You prepared differently during the week versus one guy versus another. I remember one of the Monday night games we lost to the Steelers. We knocked Ben Roethlisberger out of the game. And then Byron Leftwich came in. Well, all week, we game plan for Roethlisberger, not Leftwich. And then Leftwich ended up tearing us up. I really feel we would have won that game if we actually would have had Ben in the entire time. Riley and I really appreciate everybody leaving those voicemails. And we're going to get to your text messages in a minute. But before we do that, we're going to get to our guest, Lou Holder from the Holder Hangout. You can find him on Twitter, at Holder Sports, Emmy Award-winning sports broadcaster, and a professor. I didn't realize that, you know, you're uh, taking this in between classes to join us here in the mess hall, Lou. Thanks for jumping on with Rally and me. My pleasure. My pleasure. I've always uh, appreciated, uh, you know, the energy and the passion you have for this uh, franchise. And um, you all become good friends. And um, it's a pleasure to be on with you. Long time, long time supporter, first time caller. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. Thanks. So, Lou, you get to see the game from a different angle than a lot of us, obviously. You're in the media, you're hanging out in the press box, and if I could be a fly on the wall in there to hear some of the antics, because I see the tweets during the game going back and forth with some of the fans giving you guys the bird and the team the bird and just all this other stuff. I mean, what was the vibe in there when the game was going on? So, um, ever since... Uh, Carson Wentz was announced um, that he was going to be um, um, acquired by the Washington franchise. Uh, Everybody who's been following this team knows that that was one of those games that the Philadelphia fan base was going to circle on their calendar. So um, everybody knew that. Uh, My brother-in-law, I mean, I grew up in that Philadelphia area. Everybody was like, should I come down for week three? Should I do this? I mean, how does Carson look? Because everybody, before his knee injury, I mean, Carson was the talk of the town. Mm -hmm. Uh, So uh, people were curious, right? And let's be honest, plenty of seats are available uh, at these games. So, you know, it's early on in late September, early October, you buy a block of tickets with your friends and you drive down because you can't get tickets at the link and you come down and that's what you saw last that's what you saw yesterday there was a lot of green there i couldn't see the upper bowl from where we are in the press box but i mean you could hear the chance the eagle chants everywhere um and the only way to shut those chants up is to play better and they for the second game in a row this team did not show up in the first half. That's 46 to nothing in the first half of the last two games. That's not an NFL team. That's not an NFL team. Um, it was just, it, and that just fueled, fueled the Eagles fan base. So by the way, their team was playing on a short week. They just played the Monday night before and they came down there. They seemed to have energy. They seemed to have a whole bunch of stuff going on. So it was just disappointing that um, home game division game for two games. And that's not all the players. I mean, 46 points to nothing in the last two games in the first half of the last two games. That's, that's, that's not good. That's not good. So what we saw in the press box was a, uh, you know, a culmination of a lot of things. And yes, where we are in the press box, 
the fans were right up against the glass. And every time those Eagles scored, they were slamming on the glass and everything like that. It was, <laughs> no, it was, it was interesting. Uh, it wasn't the, it wasn't the worst, it wasn't the worst we've seen. And yes, some people have, um, because they know that there's Eagles press beat writers and Washington beat writers all kind of co-mingling in the same area. So some of these people knew where their people that they, their television people and their radio people and their newspaper people, they know where they are at that stadium for years and years and years, knowing where they are. So they would look at their guys and be, yeah, and then they would turn to us and give us the bird. <laughs> I mean, it's just what they do. I mean, it's, yeah, fan is short for fanatical. So, I mean, you take it, but this team is, was not prepared the last two games to play in the first half. They just weren't. No, they, they really weren't. And it's been frustrating. And we talked about it before you jumped on. I mean, the commanders have been outscored in the last three games in the first half, 14 to 49. And in my opinion, it's been a lack of, you know, trying to get some of your playmakers involved. And Pete Haley put a tweet out today saying in the Jags game, Terry McLaurin wasn't targeted until the first play of the second quarter. In the Lions game, he wasn't targeted until the one minute and 15 seconds into the third quarter and didn't have a catch in the Eagles game until eight minutes into the third quarter. I mean, you've got your playmaker, your franchise wide receiver that you just gave a ton of money to. And why are they having such a hard time? Why is Scott Turner having such a hard time? Feels like game planning to include Terry. Yeah, I had mentioned to these, I had mentioned this to both of you at training camp that um, what I was going to be looking at the entire year was the coordinators of this team. And in, in a way, Ron Rivera as well, because the buck stops with Ron Rivera. Um, and somebody signed off on Carson Wentz dropping back um, multiple times. Stop the dropping back. It wasn't working. These people were bum rushing you with four. They were bringing just four and getting to you. They were bringing four and getting to you, and Carson kept dropping back. A lot of those sacks were on the offensive line, but some of them were Carson just not getting the ball out. It was too slow. It was too slow. Scott Turner had a bad game calling a bad game. Carson Wentz, I give him a D, if not an F, you know, I mean, the, 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 the word on Carson coming from Philly and coming from Indianapolis, when things get to get to start moving, his accuracy starts going awry, his footwork starts going. And you saw that you saw that. And guys, Dallas's defense is better than the Eagles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It's just going to get worse. It really is. Michael, I Michael, Par Michael Parsons is, is I, mean, <laughs> I mean, there's no more off days, you know, and actually, look, um, that didn't put it this way, guys. The Detroit Lions are one and two as well as the Washington Commanders, but they are a lot better looking one and two than this one and two. So it's not just you losing, it's how you're losing. Jacksonville's a, a, an improved team from when, I mean, let's be honest, the, 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 the commanders had their hands full with Jacksonville in week one, right? So Doug Peterson and that coach has that team playing respectable. They're not bad. And Detroit, look, they put up multiple points on Philadelphia, right? They were leading against Minnesota. That's an improved team there, right? So you don't have five, six, seven, eight games to figure it out. Ron Rivera's teams have always had slow starts and they figured things out late in the year. You don't have that this year. 
Philadelphia is in a class all by themselves. They might run away with this division by mid-October. They're yeah. they 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 they're classy in the top, in the middle, in the their front office. Howie Roseman is doing the thing. I mean, that is an organization that is well run. Well run. That's a second year head coach that they are buying in on in Sariani, Sirianni, right? It is what it is. You can't say, ah, whatever. I mean, you have to be realistic when you're a journalist, right? Even with a fan, you have to be realistic. This franchise is is behind. It's behind. And other people are catching up. Other people are catching up. So uh, the Eagles deserved everything. They played well. They yeah. played well. They played well. And that 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 first half score was kind of deceiving. They could have had more points. Well, I want to say that uh, it seems to me as though when you talk about these other teams and we're just going to stay on Philly, they have layers within their organization where it doesn't seem as though we have layers, especially when your coach is your general manager, is your this, he's your that. I mean, it's just one guy. So who do you who do you fall back on when you're just that one guy? That's the problem that I see. Well, you're right. I mean, they they have. Uh, a good scouting department. They have a general manager. The general manager reports to the president. The president reports to the owner. And I mean, the owner is 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 viable. They like the owner. I mean, all of that the front office is just as important, you know. And if Ron, if everything's happening with Ron, um, you know, that's a problem. That's a problem. You know, there's got to be more checks and checks and balances. I mean, uh, going in. The three things that were the concern when I saw you both at training camp, the three things that I told you were the concern of mine was Carson Wentz, what's going to happen with him? What, you know, the deal, the sample size on Carson Wentz is, is great enough that people know that this might be his last chance to be a starter, you know, and even people were even talking about in the, in, in the media or in the press box, you know, would they even think about benching Carson Wentz? I was like, no. They would never do that against that team because this player needs confidence, right? And they would never do that against that team, right? Taylor Heineke is not going to give you more than Carson Wentz at this point, right? It's not. Yeah, he's got escapability, but there was no one. I mean, they could, I mean, look at the wide receivers that Philadelphia, that they, the catches that they were making, right? Um, it's just totally different. It's just totally, totally different. And then the offensive line, told you I had a problem with that. Um, all those, I mean, whether, whether you agreed with getting rid of settles and flowers cap hit and everything like that, you bring in these two guys from Carolina, Norwood, I mean, it was getting picked up and thrown around by Graham. <laughs> it was crazy. It was yeah. crazy. They were in Carson. Why do you keep dropping them back? You kept dropping them back. You kept dropping them back. It was a bad, it was a bad philosophy. It's a bad philosophy. And the problem that this coaching staff and everybody understands here is that this is a very educated fan base we've seen one of the best to ever do it in joe jackson gibbs work his magic on the sidelines in game halftime he was making adjustments all over the place for some reason this new age coaching staff or these something's new age coaches they think it's their system and players have to work into their system no you work your system around the players that you have Amen. right yeah. And going into that game, whatever game plan that was devised that had Carson Wentz dropping back as much as he did, right, it was a bad game plan. Carson Wentz was not going to be able to drop back with that offensive line 
and still be looking around one, two, three. It's just too much time. Yeah. The NFL, these people were right there. They were right there. You could have got your playmakers more involved. Um, you had a lot of them. You have a lot of them. They could have gotten them more involved. And then obviously that defense, that defense is an issue. That defense is an issue. Kendall Fuller told us in the he knew he, he got burned on a couple of plays. But St. Juice played very well. Yes. He played very well. Very well. But uh Payne. Payne looks like he he's looking to get some money, whether it's here or somebody else. He's he's fitting to get some money somewhere. Um, yeah. But there's just too many holes. There's just too many. There's a lot of number one draft picks on that defense. And um, to ask Jack Del Rio to be the person who's who's uh, generating points, that's a bad move, too. <laughs> he it definitely be, is. He, he can't be the coordinator that's responsible for putting points up on the board. No, and you mentioned Kendall Fuller, and Fuller played 64 snaps yesterday. He was targeted 11 times, gave up nine catches for 152 yards, including mm -hmm. a 55-yard catch, and Hertz's QBR when targeting Fuller was 149.1. Now, when they announced mm -hmm. that William Jackson III was inactive, I figured they would just pick on Wild Goose all day considering that man was picked up right before the season started when he was let go by another franchise. The fact that they're picking on Kendall Fuller, who's supposed to be our number one cornerback, what happened? He doesn't look like Kendall Fuller from last year. He just looks like a completely different person, completely different player at this time. You know, I, these players are, are um, you know, they might seem tough and they might have a lot of money and stuff like that, but you know, they're emotionally driven, too. I mean, when you see your offense can't move the ball and you're back on the field, you get discouraged, right? You get discouraged. And if you're, you know, if you can't get to, um, um, again, yes, you see pain and the safety and everything like that. But, man, Philly was bringing four and getting to your quarterback. You're, you're not getting nowhere near Hurts, right? And the more and more Hurts runs around, and look, there's other quarterbacks that are on this schedule that are even just as talented or not more than Hurts. I mean, that that's going to be a that's going to be a long day for any secondary, any corner. And yo, know, there's enough tape out there. They're going after the weakest links on these teams. Mm -hmm. And Kendall Fuller told me and David Aldridge and all the other reporters, look, it's a it's a short memory league, and it has to be because you've got to have everything now focused on Dallas, right? That game is now over. You blew it. You blew it. What did Eddie Jordan, Eddie Jordan said something totally unrelated, but Eddie Jordan said something that is one of the most popular quotes of my 20 years here in the Washington DC area. He goes, you better harvest your nuts. <laughs> and they had, they had chances. They had that. They could have won that Detroit game. This Philadelphia game, um, you know, could have been more competitive. And now it just, it's just, I mean, the gauntlet. I mean, I, I don't want to hear about Cooper Rush or whatever. It's not Dak. You, you have, this franchise has not shown that they could stop any quarterback in that offense. Um, so you got to have a short memory. It's Dallas week. It used to mean a lot around these areas, right? Around these parts. Dallas week used to mean a lot. It's, it needs to start meaning a lot right now because you got to be very compartmentalized and keep September to what it was. One and two in September. What are you going to do in October now? What are you going to do in October? Um, and this team has the parts. They have talent. There's talent all over this team, all over this team. But at some point, 
the coordinators and the head coach have got to put them in positions where they can make plays. Can we honestly say that Scott Turner in that game yesterday put his offense in a position to make multiple plays? I don't think so. No. Yeah, not, no. Not, not from what I saw. If I'm seeing something else, I am man enough to be corrected on anybody's podcast or on anybody's airwaves. But what I saw from the press box was an offensive game plan that did not work, right? And when it did not work, they kept doing the same thing, right? Yeah. Dropping yeah. back, right? Carson Wentz was not, I mean, they were all over him. Give the man a chance. Give the man a chance to find these weapons. And you said something that was very, very uh, telling that Pete Haley said, and I mean, to give Terry McLaurin all that money and not have him as the focal point of your attack, right? And only have one, what, one target in the first half. Is that what you said, Ted? Uh, his first catch was eight minutes into the third quarter. The third freaking quarter. I mean, to not set a screen up for him or some, just some quick game, something Bubble screen, something I, I, wow. I That's... don't understand. <laughs> and Turner is calling all of these play action fakes that are just so slow developing. And I'm sorry, but our run game does not scare anybody. The passing game does. So I don't see any of these linebackers or any of these safeties coming up and biting on that play action. And all it's doing, in my opinion, is giving the defenders more time to get to Carson. And he's continuing to do it. Who is really respecting a play action run in that Lions game when we're down 22 to nothing? And you can see the footwork, the accuracy. It just wasn't there. Um, I, I Again, D below average. He even said it, it wasn't one of his best efforts. And again, I don't, it's all systemic play calling, former team, whatever. Um, it is what it is with Carson. I think everybody knew it was going to be like six flags out there uh, here in Prince George's County. You know, it's just going to be an up and down roller coaster. <laughs> what are we going to get? What are we going to get? Because yeah. that 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 second half, that second half in the Detroit game and the babies that he was throwing and everything like that, that's something that Taylor Heineke cannot do. He cannot do. The arm is there. Carson Wentz has a big time arm, right? But the thing is, right? This offensive line is not going to give him time consistently to use that big time arm. It's not, it's just not, it's just not. So it's um, the more and more film people see, the more and more you see the, um, the limitations of this offense and this defense, right? Again, if your punter is punting eight times in a game, you're probably going to lose. <laughs> yeah. Your punter is punting eight times in a game you're probably going to lose. The percentages, I can't know offhand, but the percentage of a team that punts eight times a game and their winning percentage can't be, it, it's got to be high of, of, um, of them losing that game. Yeah. So, so what, what, what routes do you think would win with a three to five step drop then? Obviously, because he's doing, he's doing six, six to seven. What routes can win? realistically with a three-step drop well i mean again i need a i need a advance of my pay grade because this is <laughs> more money than i'm currently making right now rally <laughs> um but max protection needs to be in there uh there needs to be you know quick outs um i mean a quick out 
um, you know, again, I'm not a coordinator, but I can see from the top, if you put Terry and, and um, you know, if you put Terry and Jahan on one side, um, and then maybe, you know, uh, 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 somebody else on the other side, I mean, there's got to be exotic looks that you can give them with those quick weapons mm-hmm. that, you know, uh, a pump fake to Jahan and then somebody else goes, the, I mean, I can see it. Um, you know, if you're going to put him in shotgun, right? Um, mass, max protect. I mean, there's got to be other ways that you can move. The, the, when we're in the locker room, uh, again, and I'm, I'm not an NFL coach, but I know human psyche and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin told us in the locker room that it's going to be huge for us, that offense, to get a couple of quick first downs to get themselves, you know, moving. He said that. He said it to all of us. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. It didn't happen. And the louder, I mean, it literally looked, sometimes it felt like a, a, a Eagles home game in there. It really did. I mean, it, we had nothing to cheer about in the stands. And usually, I mean, Rally and I record on Mondays, and it's usually tough for me to record because I don't have a voice left. I had nothing to yell about other than trying to get these people to stop fighting in the stands <laughs> earlier, you know, a couple rows away from me. It was very frustrating. And we're all in on this ride and you know, you're in the press box and you're watching. I mean, you know, from this fan base, we're very rabid. And I appreciate what you said earlier because I I do believe we are a smart fan base. And that's something that frustrates me when it comes to coach Rivera specifically, because I think that he feels that inside that we don't know what he's talking about. And he tries to double speak around us, but what does this team, what does this coaching staff need to do to prepare themselves versus Dallas? First of all, it's not just Rivera. Every coach that I have seen in my 20 years of covering this team has tried some type of double speak, from Shanahan to Gruden, whatever. I mean, it's just, it's, it is what it is, right? They don't want to give us information and we are asking for information. It's the cat and mouse game that has happened since I got into this business. We ask you a question, an athlete and a coach or whatever, you don't want to answer it. So you find ways to not answer it, right? It's not just Rivera. Bill Belichick does it every week. It just so happens that he wins on a very, very high level. To go to his press conferences, my goodness, he gives you nothing, right? So it's not just Rivera. It's just every coach, you know, they that's what they do. They try to give you as less as possible. Um, so that's just the human nature of the coach and the player versus the media and the fan base. Um, that's just what it is. Now, what does this team need to do? They need to um, work more with the personnel that they have. And again, I'm not saying anything that's breaking news or whatever. I just have always been told um, it's not the X's and the O's, it's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. You know, you got to put your players in positions where they can make plays. And right now, there is more talent on this offense than I've seen in a while. I've seen in a while. And to know that this team has been outscored in the last two games, 46 to nothing with the weapons that this team now has, quarterback included, to not put up any points in two games, it's just, that's not an NFL team. You can't get close enough to kick a field goal. I mean, 46 to nothing, fellas. It is what it is. The number zero is zero. (laughs) So um, you got to find a way to get your kicker in a place where, you know, at least that they can kick field goals. 
settle for the three until you can get the six, you know, and that's not even happening. So um, I just think there's, there's just, just need to be on their game. That, that whole, um, the split second that we saw in the press box where we knew it wasn't a catch by Philadelphia, but it took them too long to throw the flag. I mean, there's a reason why they were hurrying up to try to call that next play. Like, oh, we got away with one. And it's just, you know, how is that not the sight test? How do you not see that? You don't, you know, and I, I, I actually think that Scott Turner, I think he's on the field. I know he's on the, he needs to he go is. back up into the booth. Yeah. There's, some, there's, some, there's something that there's something that he's not seeing to let him think that Carson Wentz could keep dropping back. Right. There has to be something that he can see from higher up that it wasn't working. We saw it. Yeah. Hell, I mean, it just looked, I look, I look, I, I felt sorry for him. There was a couple of those sacks. I think there was nine sacks, nine sacks. There was a couple of them, maybe like six or seven. That was the offensive line, but two or three of them was Carson Wentz just holding onto the ball too long. He had he lanes to, to step in. He definitely could have stepped up on some of those sacks. Or Nicky Javalas. Where's the um, check down? Yeah, I, it's. I called into B. Mitch and Finley earlier today, and I just wanted to ask B a legit question: Is this offense? You know, you've talked about it. Forty-six to nothing in the first half. You know, the last two games, they just getting off the slow starts. Would moving Scott Turner up to the actual booth up top? do anything to help get them off to a faster pace. And I believe Coach Zampezi's up there, but they want Carson to be able to have that one-on-one dialogue with Scott face-to-face field level. But to me, he is not seeing everything, obviously. Something's going on, and it's not working right now. We are regressing. The offense is regressing from that first game. So something has to change. And at what point is someone going to ask that question or bring that up? Because I listened to all the press conferences religiously and I haven't heard that come up yet. Well, I mean, it will at some point. I mean, there's, I mean, take a, I mean, get in line of all the things that we need to ask these people during our press availabilities. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not like people aren't asking the questions. Um, Again, I can only speak for me. Um, and I can only speak in the time frame that I've seen um, that you said something special. If Carson Wentz needs to have a familiar body down, I mean, there's just too much high maintenance with this quarterback. If he can't have the person up in the booth in his ear, or whatever, if he has to be down there, I mean, it's it's all going back to the to the talent that's there. You know, I mean, I, I just the scripted plays always bothered me. The whole NFL is an unscripted league. So, I mean, how can you script plays at all, right? You've got to have a game plan. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I have a scripted newscast, uh, but then we have things called breaking news. <laughs> and then the, 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 the script now goes out the window, right? Every news, every, every newscast that I've been on, there's either a fire or a shooting or something like that. And the original game plan and script that you had in the newscast changes so if it changes there changes everywhere so mm-hmm. how come how come people how come it's not just this this team i've seen other teams um that you're like why are they still going to this thing right yeah it, it was, I, I mean is the script sponsored by some some <laughs> some thing that you have to do it 15 times to get them i don't know what it is but i mean move move around omaha omaha audible yeah. do other things 
right? Trick plays, do something, right? Yeah. Again, uh, if, they, if they're biting on something, it looked like Philly was biting on a lot of stuff. Man, do a flea flicker, do something, right? Keep them honest because slaying all them, they were cheating up. They were cheating up, you know? The, the, the points that the Eagles got in the second half, that the uh, Washington got in the second half, I mean, come on, they were playing prevent defense at that point. You know, they had that game in hand. The only thing, only mistake that Philly made for me, there was no way that Jalen Hurts should have been in that game as long as he was. Because if he gets hurt, that whole thing's going downhill. Agreed. He yeah, just played understand. the Monday night before. Man, in that third and fourth quarter, I wouldn't, I would he would have been sitting on the bench, right? Washington wasn't scoring. That defense was taking care of business, right? Him running around in the fourth quarter still. Yeah, that that was that was the only knock I had on Philly and that hard headed second year coach. That, yeah, maybe he wanted to keep him in there to make a statement, whatever, whatever, whatever. But, you know, the only way to stop is to play better. Is to play better. And Dallas, they have a chance at Dallas. One thing I can say about this Washington team and let's put some positive on this. One thing I can say about this pot, this Washington team. Right. Is they have potential. Right. There were a top that guys, let's be honest. There were a couple of times in the 20 years that I have been covering this team where I was like, yo, there's no potential. This is done. This is done. Right. Again, if you go into that Dallas game and you win that Dallas game, you're now two and two coming back against what Tennessee, right? Think, but but the one and three, you got you got to go down there and win that game. Now you've put yourself in um, because if you don't win your division. You're going to have to rely on something else. And right now, Philly's, Philly's going to run away with this division if, 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 if people aren't careful. They're, they, are, they, have it, they have talent, and they have, they are sound, they're sound offensively, defensively, front office. That team and franchise is sound, right? And you can't wait till mid-October, late, uh, early November to say, you know what, let's make a run. No, you can't do it. Not with this team, because by that time, Philly might be four, five, six games ahead. Right? So now you're looking at if you're not going to win the division, you got to get yourself, you got to get yourself in a position where you're going to get one of these wild card spots. And losing two games in your division, one of them at home, is not a good way to start. So you got to go down there and take care of business. You got to. It's Dallas week. You got it. Philly is what it is. Yeah, we appreciate but, it. But, yeah, yeah, Philly is what it is, but Dallas is the team that's been circled on the calendar every single year, and you got to show up against them. For this fan base, for um, these last two first halves in these games, all of that can be erased if they have a solid showing in Dallas. Four quarters of football, exactly. No, it definitely can. It definitely can. And thank you, you know, Lou Holder, for jumping on. For those listening, it's Lou Holder from Holder Sports. Really appreciate the insight. And Lou, I know you've got a new YouTube channel. I want to give you a minute to talk about that. I've actually really been enjoying the videos on the Holder Hangout. Yeah, thank you so much. I, you know, you guys have taught me the way. Some other people taught me the way. I guess it's uh, this whole teaching an old dog new tricks. <laughs> I'm realizing now that there's other ways to get my, you know, you know stuff out there. And uh, one thing I pride it on and, Thank you for your kind remarks and everything like that is um, uh, I've learned over the years how to interview people, how to ask questions, how to ask probing questions, and how to ask the non-X's and O's as well as the X's and O's. 
And um, so I took this Holder Hangout and I've just been interviewing my, my colleagues, my friends, um, um, people from different sports and just getting their take on everything, right? So I'm gonna show everybody some love, all the beat writers, all the people, I want you guys on the Holder Hangout. I wanted to get to the tailgate beforehand, but I didn't get to the stadium till uh, enough time. Uh, where you are and where I am is on other sides of the stadium. So I got to put on my walking shoes to get to you. So I got to get there early enough to be part of your experience. But one of these games, I'm going to come and get you on the holder hangout. I've just been interviewing people in the, in the locker rooms, uh, front office personnel, all sports, all sports. I'm going to have one of my former teammate from Rutgers University who was a all, all American and all world soccer player, Alexi Lalas. I'm going to have him on the holder hangout. Um, just different people from different cities. Um, it's just a way for me to put it all in one portal. And it seems to be well-received. People seem to like it. Uh, they're going to be short interviews, two, three minutes, you know, to give people a quick hitter and then keep it moving. So that's how I want to do mine. Uh, and I hope people enjoy it. I hope people enjoy the fact that I'm not just going to be asking the X's and O's. I'm going to be asking the other stuff too. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm fun. I'm having fun with it. Um, and, I, and I hope people enjoy it as well. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I'm telling you, Lou, I enjoy it. I mean, your recent interview with Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson on there, very informative. If you're a fan of the Commanders, and I'm assuming you have to be because you're listening to this podcast or watching us on YouTube right now, go check out the Holder Hangout. I mean, Lou's got Cam Curl on here. He's got Ken Harvey, Mark Mosley, not just the current guys, some of the old greats that we all remember and loved watching. So make sure to subscribe to Lou's channel. That's the Holder Hangout on YouTube. And give him a follow on Twitter. Twitter, what's your handle there, Lou? Holder Sports. There Holder. we go. Yeah. Thank you so much, guys. I appreciate it. And anytime I can come on to um, talk sports and, you know, dissect certain things, um, it's what we do. It's what we do. We are um, very, uh, we love the product. We're consumed by the product. You know, people love football in this country uh, and we are consumed by the product. And um, we talk about it. We talk about it and I have no problem. Have Mike will travel. I love talking about football, the X's and O's. Uh, I guess I've moved from the actual game planning to the psychology of these athletes and what makes them tick. Uh, I think I'm at that stage in my life now where I'm more interested in why did you do that? Like what's going on, right? That's where I am. <laughs> and so I'm more interested on like, well, why do you do certain things and what causes that? So a lot of my holder hangouts will start with X's and O's, but then I'll ask certain questions or like, why do you think people do that? You know, I had this segment with Travis Thomas when he was on the air and the, the whole thing just took off and I keep people still keep asking me when they see me in the streets now, hey Lou, things that make you go, hmm, you know, that whole Arsenio oh, yeah. Hall thing, things that make yeah. you go, hmm, I start looking for stuff now. Why do people do that? Um, so it's interesting, the whole psychology of human nature. No, it definitely is, Lou. And once again, thank you for jumping on with us. We appreciate you taking the time. This truly was an honor for us to have you here. And we're looking forward to talking to you further on in the season. It's been a pleasure, guys. Appreciate you. Um, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. There's a place for everybody at the table, and you definitely all have your place, and uh, I'm a fan.
I'm a fan. Riley and I really appreciate Lou joining us on the mess hall. We know he's got a busy schedule, but he took the time to join your boys here. Do us a favor, tweet Lou at Holder Sports to let him know how much you enjoyed his interview. All right, on top of the voicemails we got, Riley, we actually got a couple of text messages. So let me jump into a couple of these. And once again, we appreciate everybody that's been chiming in. We've been getting a lot of feedback. It, it really makes this fun for Riley and me. Seeing the listen numbers, seeing the download numbers, that's awesome. But the interaction, it's just Riley and I talking to ourselves here, which we can do all day long, obviously. But when you guys chime in, leave voicemails and text messages, it's the icing on top, man, or the cherry on top. And we got a text here. This is Eric from Charlotte. One of the issues that I have a problem with is being in the shotgun so much. It never gives the illusion of a play action pass. And when we do hang the ball off Gibson, gets five or six, then we go right back to the shotgun. Even if it's a hand of your running back, there's no momentum to the line of scrimmage. Also, we make everything look difficult where everybody else makes it look so easy against us. Do we not have routes where our wide receivers who are very fast don't run across the middle in a two or three step drop and the pass because it seems like they just get burnt on those every week. I mean, look, I know this team is bad and I think it's fixable. I'm there every Sunday watching. I just think something needs to be changed one way or another because we make everything so difficult on all aspects, except for special teams. Our punt coverage amazingly is really good. Have a good day, HTTC, Redskins for life. So we appreciate that, Eric. I mean, Rally mentioned earlier on the show, talking about some three-step drops, some quick passes with Lou Holder that's going to be joining us here in a little bit on another segment. And, you know, I, I agree with you, man. I don't feel that we're doing what we need to when Scott Turner is just not calling the proper plays for the down and distance and the situation and the opponent. I'm curious, Rally. I mean, what are you thinking here? Well, first of all, I appreciate your dedication coming from Charlotte. You know, uh, is it Charlottesville or Charlotte? Said Never Charlotte, but yeah, so, I'm thinking Charlotte. So nevertheless, I appreciate your dedication showing up every week. And and you truly are a reputable hearted on reputable all warrior. And I appreciate that. Um, as far as the question is concerned, we all say the same thing. And eventually our collective minds are going to get together and, and we're going to send this message over to Scott Turner and he's going to get it right. And what better way to do it than this Sunday? Because we know that Micah is coming. You thought that Philly was bringing only four and they got to you? Well, Dallas is going to bring five. And Micah is going to be that fifth one. You've got to be able to nullify him if we want to win that game. So I appreciate you sending that feedback in, man. It means a lot. It really does, Eric. And, I mean, Rally, you're right, man. I mean, the Cowboys play the Giants tonight. Parsons has four sacks, and he still has a game tonight. So we'll see what happens and what he's able to do against Daniel Jones. And we'll get into that on Wednesday when we start talking about that matchup versus Dallas. But I'm worried, man. I really am because that interior of the offensive line is bad. Trey Turner and Norwell, a bunch of commanders, have not proven to me that they can play the position. And, okay, you lose Brandon Sheriff because he's getting paid too much as a guard you know, as Jay Gruden likes to say, but you let Eric Flowers walk. He's sitting on his couch right now. You have money left in that salary cap. Why not bring him in here? Because the guys that you have aren't cutting it. And even on top of that, 
your backup guard is now your starting center in Wes Schweitzer. So you had a proven commodity last year with Flowers. You let him go for whatever reason, maybe because he wasn't your guy originally and you wanted to prove that you were smarter. Well, guess what? You're looking like morons right now. Yeah. Because this line is not protecting Carson. And there's a problem, and we all can see it, especially Eric from Charlotte. Yeah, I uh, I think it's almost a personality. I, they Something happened to where they just didn't mesh. I don't know what it is or what it was, but something had to have happened because Eric was doing a good job. He wasn't doing a, a, a great, great job, but he was doing better than what we have on the field right now. And, man, like you said, it's coming back to bite us. It's coming back to bite us. It really is. And we had Will Montgomery on a past episode. You know, you guys get a chance. Go back and listen to that if you haven't already. And we talked about these guys having a rapport with John Matzgal and his coaching staff. But that only gets you so far. And now we're seeing their production on the field. And I am not impressed at all. At a couple points, it looked like the guys were on skates. And Carson is taking these seven-step drops. And you've got Leno and Cosman, who had a bad day too, your two outside tackles. And you want Carson to step up into the pocket when Leno and Cosme ride those defensive ends out wide. But when he's trying to step up into the pocket at times, your interior is getting bull rushed and pushed right into Carson's lap. So mm -hmm. he doesn't have places to go. And, you know, breaking down the film, he definitely could have scrambled today. And if you're watching this on YouTube, we'll put a slow motion video of Nikki Jabala's tweet where she had all nine sacks. He had running lanes. He just turned them down. But three games in, I am not impressed with what this staff has put together on that offensive line. And I'm not talking about losing Ruye. I'm talking about Turner and Norwell. And here's another one from another listener. I don't know who it is. They didn't leave their name. If you guys do text us, make sure to leave that name here. But An they're saying anonymous, anonymous, anonymously. I do have their phone number, but play calling is terrible all around. O and D lines do not have enough high caliber players. And what we do have aren't positioned appropriately. It's the same thing year after year. Please don't let Wentz get hurt trying to play plays because the rest of the team can't seem to do their jobs. I suppose he did hold on to the ball a little too long, but there were zero INTs. I sit two rows behind you at FedEx Field for the past few seasons. You're on point about selling single game tickets. Heard you yesterday. So I'm assuming this is someone that sits behind me because I was yelling about single game tickets. I'm not sure if you were. But if you sit behind me, come say hello. Let's take a picture and I'll buy you a beer. Let me know next time. But I definitely agree with you on the O&D line. I don't agree on holding the ball a little too long. He definitely held on to the ball way too long this past game. But, man, it's frustrating sometimes. It goes back to what I said, Ted. You said prepared. I said I don't feel that they're strong enough. I, I know that when it comes down to it, yeah, there's technique involved. But when it comes to mano y mano, that dog's got to come out. And as it's been shown, the other team has the dog, and we're trying to catch up. We're chasing the car, man. <laughs> we're chasing the car. And, and it's, it's, it's not going to get better. Uh, I keep telling you that. It's not going to get better. We've seen our opponents. You've got to be able to, to do better, man. You have to. And if we don't, we're going to continue to see 
these blowouts up until halftime. Imagine if the NFL was like Madden. We're at 21 points at halftime. You got to get a paddles up. The game's over. You can't go any further. Could you imagine that? <laughs> oh, man. I would have made it home before the rain started yesterday. <laughs> I mean, that would have been nice. And that thunderstorm that kicked everybody out of the lower bowl. But the thing is, we knew who the Lions were. We saw the film when they played the Eagles. The Lions blitzed. They brought the house, cover zeros back to back, and they got pressure. The Eagles rushed four and we couldn't stop it there is no excuse when it comes to being a professional football team where you're the one calling the plays you're the one with the snap count you're the one who knows where things are going and they're only bringing four there weren't exotic stunts they weren't moving and spinning left and right they were just running hat on hat and going up against you at that point it is a manhood test and guess what we failed flat out there is no excuses about it well, Cox is a big boy, and and he was manhandling. I, I mean, I, I I couldn't believe it. I mean, there there was they were in my end zone almost all the time, so I saw it. So I was like, oh my gosh! I mean, I, even though I already knew that he was he was a man child, you know, I, it's just, whoo, just a beast. And he is, man. You you got to have that mentality of, that if you're gonna play lineman, and and I know that this isn't anything new, but you gotta want to doggone destroy your opponent each and every time and it just didn't happen man it just but to didn't me happen. move the pocket scott turner carson has legs move the pocket get him on a bootleg there are things you can do to counteract that your pocket Agreed. is collapsing it's not working move it so it's just it's those things that you feel the oc is just too stubborn to adjust or maybe He's not seeing the game properly because he's on the field. Get his ass up in the box where he can see it more. But we got yeah. two more of these here. Let's go. Not Commander Rob left this one. The Eagles got six or seven of their sacks without blitzing. Yet Scott Turner refused to stop using five to seven step dropbacks. It was a piss poor play calling and no adjustments. Also, Turner and Norwell often looked overmatched at both guard spots. Yesterday's debacle was due to poor coaching and even worse roster construction. No way should our fourth cornerback be a guy off the street with zero NFL experience. And I agree with you, Rob. I mean, you know, we talked about it earlier and mentioned it before. The fact that Wild Goose, you know, I love that name, though. But the fact that Wild Goose is now coming in because William Jackson is hurt and he's starting is going to get he's going to get picked on and play calling was garbage there's no way around it if you can defend that play calling then you're closetly an eagles fan or a cowboys fan there's that's got to be the only explanation and as i as i said if anyone knows your players it's your oc line coach it's your coordinator. You, you know what your guys are capable of. And like you said, if you know for a fact that they're going to just run right through you, then figure out something else to be able to do and don't just set your guy up to fail. Because it's demoralizing. Let, as, as Lou said, we're all human. And if you're getting blown up like that, it's demoralizing. And at some point in time, I hate to say it, that you should never just lay down your hat, but it seems like it seems that not saying they quit, but it was like, you know what? Let me just try to stop this guy as best as I can. You know, okay. 
you know, I, it's, it's, it just seemed like that. And I hate that. I really do. And I know those guys are landing on the line, but if I'm stronger than you are and I can blow you up, don't blame me. Oh yeah. Don't, don't blame me. You know, I'm doing my job on defense, what I'm supposed, what I'm getting paid to do. So if you can't stop me, figure something else out. And just to echo once again, we would ask Scott, please go upstairs. That's all. And this is what concerns me because we talked about it during training camp, everything else, everybody's buddy, buddy, everyone loves cars. So no one's saying anything bad about them. What's starting worry me is some of these sacks are avoidable and he's putting his O-line in bad situations. At what point do you start to see dissension? How many more games until, I don't want to say people start turning on people, but you start hearing whispers. When Robert was here, he threw his offensive line under the bus in a press conference. Carson is too smart to do that. But a couple of these sacks are being blamed on Cosme. A couple of them are being blamed on Leno. Just different people. Eventually, you're going to start to mess with people's paychecks and bonuses and things like that. And it could start fracturing. So you hope that they can nip this in the bud before it turns and grows and sprouts into something bigger. Now, here's another voicemail we got left by an anonymous person, but it says, I think we need to change the defense a lot. That starts with Del Rio. The O-line was atrocious. Wentz had on the ball too long on two of the sacks, but he was trying to get something out of nothing. And I, I agree. The defense is a problem, but yesterday, in my opinion, it wasn't. The defense held on for as long as they possibly could they just got tired. When you stop people on a three and out and your offense clearly does nothing to try and retain that ball, or they just have four out of seven sacks on different plays, they get frustrated and they get exhausted. At a certain point, the offense has to carry its weight. You can't keep blaming everything on Del Rio because they did a damn good job of taking Hertz's legs away from him. And if you look at the stats, Hertz only had 20 yards on the ground. He came in with a buck 46 and to hold him to 20 on nine attempts, they did a good job trying to stop him. AJ Brown was the most targeted receiver. We talked about it in this game and AJ only had five catches. So they made adjustments, but unfortunately the Eagles get paid too. And they made more adjustments to counteract ours. And our defense was tired because the offense did flat out nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And jumping into the last one here, this one is from Reggie Skinner on Twitter. It's what did I eat or cook? It says, hey, DMV Mess Hall, you asked what went wrong yesterday. The interior offensive line is where we failed, specifically guard, center guard. Why isn't Flowers on a plane to Ashford now? Give him what he wants. And yeah, Cosby wasn't great yesterday either. He must do better. And out of all of these voicemails and these tweets, it's the same consensus talking about those trenches. We made a ton of investment on the defensive line. It's documented. Everyone knows our first-round picks. We have not invested in that offensive line. Okay, you got Sam Cosme, but other than that, you've got bookend pieces that you picked up from all over the league. Two Commanders, a bear that got cast off, and you got Wes Schweitzer. That's what you got. You have to invest in that offensive line, and they have not done that, and now we are paying for the sins of past draft classes because we don't have anyone to protect your supposed franchise quarterback. 
And hopefully they figure something out going into this Dallas game. But I'm not sure if they will, because the personnel is the personnel. And you brought Nick Martin in last week. Is Martin going to be game ready enough and know the calls to go into a raucous Texas stadium? Man, all I can tell you is they got five days in the wake up, bro. They do. To get, to get, to get it right. They do. And we couldn't do a wrap-up show without trying to see who gets to wear your rally chain. Does anybody get to wear that this week? This week, believe it or not, St. Juice. St. Juice, Juice gets to wear the chain because I saw him making plays that I, I mean, I always knew he had it in him, but to see it firsthand, I, I said, okay, I, I made my mind up that St. Juice, you get to wear the rally chain. Yeah, St. Juice had three catches on nine targets, broke up two passes, and he was out there for 56 out of 64 snaps on the outside and six snaps in the slot. I mean, considering he found out that morning that he was going to be starting on the outside when WJ3 wasn't going to be able to play, hats off to St. Juice. That's who I was going to take if I had to give a chain out. I think the only person I would give mine to would have to be Tressway. I mean... Yeah. His leg has got to be killing him today, but <laughs> he punted that ball, had a heck of a game. But other than that, no one deserves anything. No orange slices, no juice box. Get your ass in the ice bath and get ready for Dallas. But with that being said, thank you to Lou Holder. Once again, find him on Holder Sports. That's his YouTube channel. Follow him on Twitter. Guy does a great job. We really appreciate him joining us. His Twitter is also at Holder Sports. This was episode 20. Thank you for joining Rally and I here. We'll be back again on Wednesday. Looking forward to it. And remember, rep it hard or don't rep it at all. Rally Captain, tailgate Ted. We'll be out. <laughs>